the majority of Americans want a third party. Neither Republicans or Democrats are actually helping the American people. Like we see them helping corporations all the time. I would actually say that 2024 would actually be the time that a third party candidate could actually stand a good shot. Now, if there is an independent grassroots candidate who is standing for bold progressive policies, fine. But usually the independent third party candidates tend to be billionaires or celebrities. And it's not clear to me that those policies that they're going to advocate are going to be Medicare for all or free public college or uh, the progressive policies that, that many people uh, put your listeners care for. Well, I, I happen to know one uh, here locally uh, pretty well who was grassroots third party candidate, and that was Dr. Jill Stein. And when she ran, we were guilt tripped to vote for Hillary Clinton. But I still say to this day that Jill Stein was the better candidate. Well, I supported Hillary Clinton in the uh, general election, and I'm proud of supporting Hillary Clinton. I think that Trump was such a threat to democracy and is such a threat to democracy. Look, if Hillary Clinton had won, uh, we would not have had Roe versus Wade overturned. So I uh, do not uh, agree with people who supported Jill Stein, especially in swing states, uh, because the costing of Hillary Clinton that election really led to Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and uh, in, in the Supreme Court that, that we currently have. Well, I would say that Hillary Clinton's campaign cost her the election herself. I, I feel like that was her doing. Uh, ignoring the Rust Belt, I think, was a, a totally awful idea. You cannot avoid the Rust Belt. Having a running mate who was anti-choice, Tim Kaine was not pro-choice when it came to abortion, was also not a good idea, and she's corporate. So for me, I'm, I was looking for someone who's grassroots, someone who actually cares about the people, someone who is not going to get us into these these never ending wars. And Hillary Clinton was just going to be an extension of Barack Obama and people wanted something different. So I don't blame someone like Jill Stein. I blame Barack Obama. I think he's the one that actually gave us Trump in the first place because he made all these promises and he didn't fulfill them. OK, so. If you have not had a chance to watch that interview, definitely go check out that interview uh, on my channel so you can see the full dialogue there. But that was a segment there where Rokana was trying to blame Jill Stein for the reason that Hillary Clinton lost. And I want to hear your take on this. Obviously, I disagree with that statement. Um, I think this is a part of the problem that we have uh, on the left, people saying that they want progressive policies, but they only tend to want progressive policies when that candidate is running through the Democratic Party. Uh, if you look at platforms like the Green Party platform, if you looked at Jill Stein's platform, it was more progressive, of course, than Hillary Clinton's platform. So my thing is, if you say you're for progressive policies, then you should be supporting the candidate that actually has those progressive policies, not just supporting someone because they're running through the Democratic Party. So I'm going to take the first uh, caller here. Um, and that is Kathark. Karthik, yeah, it's okay. Hello, how are you? Hi, hi, Sabi, uh, big fan. Uh, I just wanted to say quick, um, so my f uh, favorite uh, uh, person on YouTube is uh, uh, Jimmy Dore, but that's quickly being changed by uh, you and everyone at uh, Revolutionary Blackout. You guys are giving him some uh, pretty stiff competition for best uh, uh, lefty on YouTube. Oh, well, wow. Thank you. That's, uh, I'm, um, I'm flattered. I really am. Okay. But yeah, in terms of 
what uh, uh, Rokano said. Yeah, it's pretty much the same uh, voter shaming uh, nonsense. And like, I I really don't get because like because Rokano voted for Hillary before he was a politician, like when he was campaigning. And like, I get maybe he voted Democrat because you know party loyalty, and he didn't want to get crushed or whatever. But like in general, I don't get what the point is of voting blue or red. Um, if you're in like a strong blue or red state. Um, but yeah, it's clear that like Ro Khanna, like maybe before he wanted to, uh, had some hopes and dreams of maybe opposing the establishment, you know, maybe that's why he was against the, uh, Yemen war and like said that there's Nazis in Ukraine, even though I think he called that like a Russian or Putin talking point now to Max Blumenthal. But, you know, I think he's just going along with everything because, you know, he doesn't want to get crushed by the establishment, and maybe he has hopes of running for president one day, which is kind of a joke. But, yeah, that's what my thoughts are. Uh, Well said there. I also will say one thing I forgot to mention is that in reference to this idea that Jill Stein cost Hillary Clinton the election, even if Hillary Clinton would have received Jill Stein's votes, let's say all those votes went to Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton still would have lost. Yeah, I, I 100% because I counted because I like I, I'm into like math and stats a lot. Um, so I counted the number of votes that Jill Stein got in like at least like uh, Wisconsin and uh, Michigan, I think. Um, and even if Hillary still got all those votes so that Jill Stein got in like the, the uh, Rust Belt states, she still wouldn't have won those states, meaning like she still would have lost the election. Um, so it's, it's really just people that like love to hate on people with, uh, no money and no power. And it's because like, I feel like people like Hillary Clinton and, um, you know, others like that, they're probably cause like, you know, they're total narcissists, sociopaths. And so like the only way they can make, make themselves feel better is by crushing, um, others. And this is true of like pretty much everyone in the establishment or politicians. Cause I think it takes like a real narcissist to want to be president or like to at least like be a federal level politician. Right. And I, I'm starting to notice too, it seems like the politicians that I guess we would say really go and fight and not necessarily in DC, but uh, because they get rid of those politicians, they get rid of, they got rid of people like Cynthia McKinney, you know, they get rid of them. Um, but on the local level, I would say someone like Shama Sawant, I think, should be a good example to point to. This is someone who did not want to be a politician. And I think that's what you need. You really need the people who don't really want to do it, not the people who want to do it and want to make a career out of it because they sell out pretty quickly. Um, I do think that it could be possible that Rokana is gearing up for a run, not in 2024, but maybe 2028. Uh, I could see that being possible and that happening. Um, I really would have also liked to have this same conversation with other uh, so-called progressive members in Congress, but they completely avoid independent media. And I think this is the reason why, because Yes, we are going to press them. I would have asked them those same questions and they don't want to answer them. They don't want to answer to the point like, why haven't they been fighting? Why haven't they been doing the things they said they were going to do? And uh, it's really unfortunate at this point, but that's what it's become. Yeah, it's uh, very sad. Um, this is like a bit uh, uh, unrelated, but um, I just uh, read the latest uh, uh, GDP numbers for Q2. And um, so because uh, 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 it fell again by 1%, so like we're considered an official uh, recession now. 
even though Joe Biden wants to like change the definition of recession. That's just something else. Yeah, we'll actually be talking about this tonight. Um, oh, and this cool. isn't the first time, too, because I, here I am. I'm like, how am I going through another recession already? Last time that this happened, they didn't want to use the word recession either. Uh, <laughs> they don't want to scare yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, I was like 12 or 13 when the last recession happened. So I don't because uh, I knew like even back then, like I knew people were scared and stuff. Um, but, you know, being as young as I was, I don't really remember like how exactly how people felt. Right. Yeah. It was, you know, you don't, they don't want to scare people. Uh, but it's really interesting though, because they are already saying, at least the media was already saying that Japan is now in a recession, but they don't want to use that word when it comes to the United States. So it's, uh, <laughs> it is very telling here, I have to tell you. But um, I think we have to get to a point where, and I know we're not doing this, but there are uh, people who are doing this. I see one of them in the chat right now. I think we need to stop blaming third party candidates and other candidates for the reason why these establishment Democrats are losing their races. And Hillary Clinton's campaign was an awful campaign. It was milk toast. Her slogan sucked. I didn't hear anything for the people when she was running. It's just all about me, me, me. I feel like it was a vanity project for her that she felt like it was owed to her and you could tell she felt like it was owed to her because oh, after sure. she lost yeah just how dare bernie sanders you know bernie sanders went across this country trying to help hillary clinton get elected after he lost but she yeah, smeared yeah. him too yeah so i went to like a uh kind of like a uh, uh like uh elite high school in san diego so um i know a lot of like people like that were for hillary um uh in the in the primary, I mean, over Bernie. And, like, I would talk to them, because, like, you know, I'm friends with them, so I'm not going to, like, you know, go super tough on them, at least in the beginning. But, um, so when I asked them, like, hey, why are you, you know, into Hillary, blah, blah, blah. And, like, the only answers they had was, like, Trump or, like, identity politics. Like, oh, it's time for a woman to be president. And I'm like, so you want a woman to, like, start, like, more wars and to oppress people instead of a man? And, um, yeah, it was just things like that. I, I I think her slogan was, I am with her, which I, I, I feel like it should have been like, I'm with you or she's with, I don't know, something that's like puts the focus more on like people instead of like one person, one politician. Right. She made it all about her. Yeah. She made it up. Notice Bernie was like, not me, us. Right. And yeah, I have my criticisms good. of Bernie Sanders, but sure. she made it all about her. It's like, yeah, say that you're with me. You're supposed to be with the people. Yeah. So, yes, yes, absolutely. It's it's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, but Karthik, thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller. Yeah, thanks. All right. Johnny, you are the next caller. You just have to unmute. Hey, Sebby, how you doing? Hey, how are you? Um, nice interview with Ro. I have to catch up on that. That's a that's quite the clip, though, and I'm uh, I'm glad you pulled no punches. That's the way we like it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's funny. Um, somebody already made. Oh, I think it's Turncoat Dawn. He already made a. Uh, he makes these funny videos. He takes clips from other people's like interviews and he makes them funny. He already made one of those uh, from that interview. But yeah, thanks so much. What's your yeah, take on all of this? 
I'll have to check out the the I'll have to check out the whole thing. Hey, um, you know what? You know it's funny. Like I think it was Stoller or somebody said this a while ago, where he said actually progressives don't really have a different worldview from like Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer and like all of those old vets that we like can't stand and want them to lose. They don't actually <laughs> dislike them. They don't like they don't you know Jayapal, Rokana. They don't think they're like bad leaders. They actually like they're more loyal to them than they are to all these you know spicy tweets that they send out like they just don't think democratic leadership are, are doing a bad job and if they do they'd rather shut up about it than risk their own standing within the party like there's just no appetite for risk among these people like i think jayapal and rokana would probably like you know to end the war in yemen to get some medicare for all but they're just not really willing to do much for that you know what i mean they're just not really willing to lift a finger, to risk their career, to take any kind of chances, to, like, risk a primary challenge. Like, they just don't want it that bad, you know? And maybe that speaks to the class issue that I know you like to bring up. Like, these people don't know real fear and real pain in their lives. Like, they don't know, you know, they haven't had collection agencies calling them, right? You know, they haven't had, yep. uh, you know, misappointments because they can't make co-pays and, that, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe that's true. But for whatever reason, these people think Democrat leadership, you know, is is doing just a perfectly fine job and they des- are deserving of support. And whether it's, you know, disbelief or and, and I don't think it's open corruption. These, You know what I mean? There's no shady deals where they're taking, you know, secret money through, you know, backdoor channels or anything like that. I think it's genuine ideological capture where they just think Democratic leaders are OK and they're worth supporting. And no one has like there's zero calls for resignation from Nancy Pelosi. Oh, for Nancy Pelosi with her husband's insider trading. I'm sure you've seen news headlines about her husband, Paul Pelosi, playing yep. in semiconductor stocks when, you know, his wife is, you know, running a bill through Congress. Yep. And, he, you know, like that's as clear as, you know, just the appearance alone should be enough to call for Pelosi's resignation. But you don't hear any complaints about it. There's no internal sniping or nobody's out there making media clips saying, I think Pelosi should resign over this. No, I think they learned not to cross Nancy Pelosi, uh, because remember AOC's first year that she was there and remember when she protested outside Nancy Pelosi's office? Yeah, you know, it's, fun. it's funny. Yeah. She's done. She's kind of dipped her toe in the water here and there. But every time she like finds herself on an island with no support within the party. And I think she yep. just stopped doing it. Yes, I think she was spoken to. I'm pretty sure she was spoken to because, you know, look at the difference between the staffers that protested inside Chuck Schumer's office. Right. They were inside his office. Right. So that's why they were arrested with even with AOC. She protested outside of Nancy Pelosi's office, not on the inside, because she even she knew that would probably be an arrest risk. Right. But, yeah, she definitely scaled back from the way she was when she came in that first year. But, again, I think she learned early on you don't cross Nancy Pelosi. Cynthia McKinney explained this to me as well. She said that it was Maxine Waters who told her in the beginning, like, well, Cynthia, when leadership tells us to do something, we're going to do it. That's what you have to understand. The crazy thing is, is AOC is independently a very talented fundraiser. She's like as good. She's a better fundraiser than anybody except like Pelosi herself. Is doesn't she? She has huge fundraising totals. I think they're like tops in the party. Like AOC barely has to lift a finger to raise money. You know, she already got a primary challenge from the right. You know what I mean? What was it? Remember the CNBC anchor there, Marcel Caruso Cabrera? I don't know how seriously AOC had to take it, but like. Yeah. 
you know, they're still coming at her. It's not, it's not buying her any kind of protection. You know what I mean? I just don't get, why are they so afraid of her? You know what I mean? Well, she's in a, from what I understand about her district in particular, she's kind of safe, at least for right now. And she's got all the fundraising she could ever want. You know what I mean? Remember for a little while there, when she first walked into office, she was raising fund rate. She was uh, donating funds to other candidates who were challenging incumbents. And, you know, she was told, obviously, like you said, she was told to knock it off. Right. Like she's, she scaled back pretty quickly, but if you notice neither her or Corey Bush, uh, Rokana has commented on it. He said that we, People should uh, support Joe Biden 2024. But Cori Bush and AOC have been asked about whether or not they think Joe Biden should run again, and they won't answer the question. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it's like, kind of feels less of a sense of shame than the other ones sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like they, they know that what are they going to do? Like if they say yes, the progressives will be proud of them, but then the Democrats in D.C. will not be proud of them, and Nancy Pelosi would not be proud if they say uh, you know, um, or excuse me, if they said, yes, uh, he should not run again, then the progressives will be happy, but the corporate Dems won't. If they say, uh, that he, uh, should run again, well, then the whole progressive base will be angry at them, but the corporate Democrats will be proud of them. Yeah, you're right. That's There's why no they're not right. That's why There's they're no not winning. answering that question. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, think but- someone like, I think someone like Cori Bush, I think she's being very careful because, you know, she has a primary challenge. Um, and also Cori Bush out of that group, Cori Bush did come from poverty. Like she came from, she used to be homeless at one point. She came from the Ferguson protest. So she has more to lose. And I think yeah. that's part of the reason why she's not saying Agreed. anything. I said this before, like people were telling me in DC that Cori Bush's office is not allowed to talk. <laughs> I, I agree with you there, though, right? Like, once you've got a great job, like, you don't want to lose that job. And she's just not ready to take any risks. I mean, you know, being homeless, being part, it's awful. Like, people are miserable. You feel like shit. You know, I, like, I haven't experienced it, but, like, I can only imagine how hor- horrifying it is. It's just probably the kind of thing where you just never go want to go back. And you, you know, just even admitting it is, you know, uh, shameful enough that you don't want to even talk about it, you know. Right. But, yeah, I mean, there are some of the, like I said, someone like an AOC is much better at raising, at fundraising individually. She could find career prospects as a, you know, minor celebrity, you know, social media influencer. She could figure out she wouldn't be broke after after office if she lost a primary or lost a general election you know what i mean so i don't know if she just doesn't have the requisite courage or bravery or maybe she still believes in leadership because she thinks the republicans are that scary remember she really got kind of messed up after one six so somebody is gonna have to maybe it's like a lucas Kuntz or you know i don't know somebody's gonna have to get in there take a risk and go at leadership and inspire others to do the same to be honest it may not take much you know on to to go on a hopeful note if you see one or two reps that go out there, put themselves out there and go against Democrat leadership and they're able to kind of fundraise off that, you know, some Republicans do that. They'll go at, you know, uh, House leadership. They'll go at uh, Senate leadership and they'll, you know what I mean? They'll make some hay. They'll fundraise off of it. If we could get a situation like that where Democrats could be rewarded for going at leadership, for criticizing leadership, for saying they're doing a bad job, I think that would open the floodgates potentially. You know what I mean? Others might jump on board. And, you know, you'd want there to be a kind of bandwagon thing where 
it's okay to criticize leadership, you know, because sometimes those calls for, for leadership to change, you know, end up toppling, you know, uh, a speaker of the house, right? Like a, a Paul Ryan or somebody that fine, you know what I mean? The, the, the calls were there for a while and then they just got louder and louder. And you know what I mean? Once he tried to overturn, um, overturn Obamacare and failed, he was kind of like, all right, I'm done with this. You know, the heat got too much for him. He didn't want to deal with it anymore. So, um, I, you, can I go yeah. off topic savvy to, to end the call? Oh, well, one second. I want to bring case study is here. So case oh, study yeah. TV, I want to get your take on all of this and like, uh, people blaming third party candidates for the reason why someone like Hillary Clinton lost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- thank you so much for bringing me on. Um, yeah, I, I was really, uh, well, not, I'm not too shocked. I think that these guys take on groupthink, unfortunately, and, and group can think can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. Like if the Democrats were truly on point with the, the Build Back Better bill and getting um, what Bernie Sanders and Biden wanted, you know, the three trillion or even the six trillion what Biden um Bernie wanted, that would have been great if they were all on the same page. But we keep seeing time and time again that they're all on the same page with cor- corporatism and with getting the bare minimum with centrism. And and that's the problem. Um, so I, I don't know if anybody here has ever watched big brother, but I, I'm a big, big brother watcher with my wife. And there's, there's a thing that happens where the house, everybody could vote whichever way they want to vote, but they always seem to vote unanimously because they don't want to go against the house. Like once the house decides to vote somebody out, it hardly happens that or rarely happens that one person votes against the house. And this is kind of what is happening with groupthink, with these party things. They all, uh, say okay they all think we got to vote in one direction or we all have to be on the same page and i think that's what happens with aoc when she got into office and even um rocana over time you start getting this washington brain you start thinking and, and adapting the way that they think and you start not wanting to go against the house quote unquote if i use that big brother th- term again and you just want to go with the grain and unfortunately the system is so powerful that it turns people that we would hope would be the progressive champions and people who would come in there and change things up. It just bends them to their will. So um, I just wanted to throw that analogy real quick, Sabrina. Yep. Thanks so much for that case. Uh, go ahead, Johnny. You were going to say. Yeah. Hey, do you guys mind if I go off topic a little bit? I saw something funny that I, I want, wouldn't mind sharing with you guys. It's uh, just a little history lesson that made me laugh. And it's kind of interesting to think about it. Do you mind? You got time for it? Go ahead. I'll keep it quick. I'll keep it quick. So uh, I was, you know, do I think I was watching some podcast where they started talking about World War Two for the eight millionth time or whatever. And I kind of got curious and I was like, well, what the hell happened? Why did France get their ass kicked in World War Two so badly? Right. And I went and looked it up and I stumbled across this New York Times headline from June 23rd, 1940. That's going to make you guys laugh. Right. The New York Times legit. So this is June 23rd, 1940. Right. France just got destroyed by Germany in six weeks. Like it's it, it looked apocalyptic. You know what I mean? No one expected, you know, one of the greatest militaries in the world to just get rolled over by the Nazis. Right. So this was real panic stricken moments. Right. The New York Times headline says France of June 23rd, 1940. Go ahead and Google this one. It's crazy. France's defeat is laid to greed, demand for social reforms at cost of defense, blamed for military collapse. Lack of ideal also cited. Parliamentary government is called failure because of people's selfishness. Ideals held, lacking defense funds diverted. 
Can you imagine like the cravenness of blaming people for wanting social reforms and social spending and not spending enough on defense after they just got dist- after their country just got conquered by the Nazis? Can you imagine like the the horror? I I just found that like completely off the wall like they're like we didn't you you france you didn't spend enough money on defense you wanted that social reform stuff you wanted us to like you know build you schools and hospitals and you wanted your eight-hour workday. it's your fault because we uh we had to cut back on military military spending because of you guys i'm for me it just told me like my god 80 years later we still have equally rotten and craven and like soulless and shameless elites as we actually did in the 1940s, the so-called greatest generation. Yeah, unfortunately, you see... In some ways, maybe shit ain't changed. You know what I mean? And they just yeah. lie to us about the way it used to be. When, when you see how they're using Russia right now, this Ukraine war is the perfect cudgel for the military-industrial complex to promote more war spending, more military spending. And, and, and unfortunately, you saw when it, when it happened um, in Europe, you know, one of the places where they have the biggest social um, best uh, security net there, they put in the Constitution. Are they proposing bills to spend a certain amount of GDP on military to increase the military spending? So this Ukrainian war, while it could have been um, like settled oh, a long time ago, if we didn't intervene by putting 50 over 50 billion dollars worth of weapons going towards that war. This thing would have been Ukraine would have had to, unfortunately, you know, however you feel for against Ukraine, some somebody would have won. Russia probably would have won by now and we could have been moving on from this whole situation. But the military industrial complex is continuing to use it to make more and more money. We see it time and time again. You know, Zelensky's still asking for more. Of course. Right? <laughs> like that thing was gone for about a, that thing was gone in about a minute. And he's like, yep, we need more. It's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> More, please. <laughs> it's never yeah. enough, you know? It is. It is. But, Johnny, thank you so much for calling in. I want to go to the next caller. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. All righty. Okay, Eric, you're the next caller. You're on the mic. Uh, hey, y'all. How's it going? <laughs> it's going. <laughs> and I, I guess I can say this and assume everybody agrees with the sentiment, but, man, fuck Rokano. Like, this uh, it's it's just so let let me talk about this because i suggested to um brianna before uh uh brianna joy gray on her calling that she should just stop entertaining his bullshit like just cut him off completely we know who this motherfucker is just cut him off be dumb and and she's over here giving me this fucking attitude about the shit and I'm sitting here thinking, bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> like, have some standards for you. But oh well, you're grown. You're going to do whatever you want to do. Anyway, with that being said, you know. Well, I just want to say, I think, I, I mean, I can't speak for her, but I know for me, I wanted Rokana to hear from the other side. I wanted him to hear from people that 
You know, our what what we're saying, like people who are working class, people who are poor. I wanted him to hear that. Look, people are leaving the system. People are leaving the Democratic Party. You guys aren't doing enough, you know, and it's unfortunate. He's the only one that's willing to still come on independent media, all independent media platforms, by the way. He's not one of the ones that I will say this. He's not one of the ones that will ask, how large is your audience? How many subscribers do you have? I get that from people all the time. And so I will say, like, it's it's unfortunate <laughs> that he's the one that has to take all these blows, but he's the only one that's willing to come on and actually have the discussion. And so for me, I was like, no, like, I'm really going to push back on you because, like, I'm sorry, but actions to me speak louder than words. And I, I wanted Rokana to hear that people are leaving the Democratic Party, that you guys aren't doing enough for African-Americans. I wanted him to hear from this side of the left, which he hasn't until now. Um, but I can't speak for her per se. I mean, I, one thing you yeah. got to keep in mind with her is that, you know, she was Bernie Sanders press secretary. So just keep that in mind that she did. She was one of the people out there fighting really hard to get someone like him to win you know, and, and she's she's in that that D.C. She's in D.C. Like she's in the D.C. bubble. I'm not. I'm completely uh, I don't I, I guess I don't want to say withdrawn, but I'm completely disconnected from all of those people in D.C. So there's no for me, there's no pressure. I'm just like, whatever, dude, <laughs> like I'm going to push back on you because I think you're full of shit. But do it in a professional way and you can still push back on someone and be professional about it without name calling and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if Rokana will ever come back on again, <laughs> but he needed to hear those things. And whether it makes a difference or not, I know it made a difference in one way with the March for Medicare for All, because after he was on my show, when I brought those marches up, you know, Savage Joy and other Medicare for All organizers, they heard what he said about not knowing about the march and they they contacted him via twitter and they said you know look this is not cool you knew about those marches we met with you about it we're the people who met with you in person and we told you those marches were happening so for you to say that on savvy show that's really disappointing and then what happened after that he tweeted out support for the March for Medicare for All this Saturday. So this is how you hold politicians accountable. And that was the point that I was trying to bring. Now, I didn't know that he that they had already told him about the marches when he said that. But that was brought to his attention. And so then you're called to act. And that's why some of the progressives, I believe, are not coming on independent media anymore because they don't want to be called to act. Yeah, and that and that's why I definitely appreciated your interview because you definitely didn't give a fuck whether you came back or not. But but also like when I when, even when I saw the title of of the episode, Ro kind of blaming Jill Stein, I could just be like, well, fuck, it's not even just Jill Stein at this point. <laughs> Shit, you could put in Ro Connor blames Howie Hawkins. I mean, Democratic Party can't have any competition. We saw what happened with Matthew Ho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, and from what I've seen, I don't, don't quote me on this yet, but it sounds like he might be at that March this Saturday. Now I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but that's what it sounds like based on the communicate, the stuff that I've, I've seen, but, but still like, 
you have to like you ha- they need to hear that your office was contacted about these direct action events multiple times. And all of us got the same response that last year we were all in different cities doing the marches. Right. So different people contacted their representatives. But all of us got the same response, which was we'll pass this message on to them. That's it. So I just say that. Uh, I'm excuse me one moment, yeah, Eric. Uh, I think that's why it's so important to have these conversations with these um, politicians, and it's unfortunate that people like the squad doesn't come on, do not come on independent media more frequently because we could bypass the the middle people, you know, the staffers, and have them go straight to us so that we can hold them accountable in all these different ways. As a matter of fact, um, I've had people tweet at me. Why are you um, playing so many Fox News clips or Fox Business clips on uh, my case study QB Twitter? And I'm like, well, that's the only people that are really critical of the Democratic Party. For example, the Nancy Pelosi and Paul Pelosi, you know, insider trading. So I have to um, show those type of clips, even though, you know, it's not necessarily on our left wing side of the equation. So I just want to say that real quick. Yeah, and I don't and I, I stop. Yeah, and all my stuff like that from case. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And if it wasn't already clear enough, we pretty much literally have no place in the Democratic Party. To anybody that's still in denial somehow. I mean, between Shama, Sawan, and Jill Stein, I mean, how many people do you really need to make it clear? That's right. That's right. Because at the end of the day, one thing that was, you know, I've said on my show multiple times, I'll talk to anyone. That doesn't mean I'm agree with them, but these discussions need to be had. And I think that, however, when you have those discussions, I do think it's important that you push back and you continue to push back. Because one thing, like I said, the whole thing about Hillary Clinton and Jill Stein, you know, you're basically telling people that we need to have uh, voting rights and that we need to improve our democracy. But at the same time, you're also telling people that third party candidates ruin our democracy. No, when people go to vote, they vote for the person that they want and they should have the option to vote for whoever is on that ballot. People should not be pigeonholed into voting for a Democrat or a Republican, and they shouldn't be shamed for voting for a third party candidate either. But then them saying that is them saying that third parties are a problem. I'm like, that's an that's basically an admission that we don't have democracy. That's a direct admission. Right. They only want democracy for the two party system. That's it. They don't want true democracy. If we had true democracy, first of all, we wouldn't have people have issues with their elections. Like, for example, everybody that's a candidate would be able to debate. They don't even let third party candidates debate sometimes. And when I talked to Tyrell Ventura, he said one of the ways that his dad was able to win, not just because of who his dad is, but his dad was allowed to debate. That's that's a big difference. That's a game changer. This is why they 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 prevent. Look, Jill Stein, they wouldn't let her get on the debate stage. Uh, She was arrested. They arrested her like you can't. That's not true democracy. Didn't they tie her or some shit like that? Yeah, she's still dealing with when I talked to her uh, last time, 
I asked her if she was going to run again, and she said, well, no, right now she's still dealing with the lawsuit. Damn. Shit. Yeah, I think that's a great point yeah. that you made, Eric, about Democrats don't believe in democracy. We see that with Matthew Ho. And also, Mike Ravel, he made the requirements to be in the primary debates, and they didn't let him in, yet they let Michael Bloomberg in. Yep. Oh, I think you, uh, yeah. I don't know what happened in their case, but yeah, it's true. They made exceptions for Mike Bloomberg. They make exceptions for the people that they want, but they're not even willing to let the people who actually followed the rules and met all the requirements. If they're third party, they're not even willing to let them get on the debate stage. So that's, it's, it's ridiculous. They want one narrative going out and anybody who's against that, they're going to try to like stop them any way that they can. Mm -hmm. 100% my Bluetooth activated. Sorry about that. But um, you, you got the point. It sounded like you got exactly the point I was making. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really, it's really frustrating. Um, I do think that Rokana is planning to run for president at some point, probably 2028. Um, I can foresee something like that happening. And, you know, it just, you know, one thing I think that was really telling, which I hope everybody caught this, is when Rokana said, you're never going to get Medicare for all unless you have a president that supports Medicare for all. And this actually uh, disputes the the idea that you just need to increase the number of progressives in the House, because even if it passes in the House and let's say it also passes in the Senate, if the president does not want Medicare for all, he'll just veto it, which is what Joe Biden said he would do. <laughs> ah, bro giving away the game the president has a lot of veto power and i think see this is why i say we don't have a true democracy because if everybody in the house if all the democrats in the house vote for something and then let's say it passes in the senate and then if it comes to the president's desk yeah i'm not signing it do we really have a true democracy nope <sighs> not at all but we can't even get the people that we vote for. Like, do we have a true democracy when you look back at 2020, Mike Bloomberg was able to just jump in the race last minute. Obama was able to make a call to tell people to drop out. So that would boost votes for Joe Biden. Is that really a true democracy? No, that's that's just straight up pimping at that point. Right. It's just I mean. A lot of this is, is related to corporate money as well, which is what I also mentioned to him, that the corporate the corporate money is a big problem. These people answer to their donors. They don't answer to the American people. And then also people, the fact that people are fundraising off of Roe v. Wade overturned really was disturbing to me because you don't get to take people's votes and hold them hostage and say, OK, well, you got to vote for us or otherwise you're not going to get help with Roe v. Wade. No, that's ridiculous. They had plenty of time to codify Roe v. Wade into law. There's all these excuses as to why this wasn't done. And I, I don't buy it. I think it's ridiculous. But you don't do that to the American people. How dare they? I was disgusted when I got those emails asking for money, not even minutes after the overturn. Yeah, like. And and that and speaking of that, we gotta we gotta correct people's thinking on this shit. Like, you can't. I, I think y'all covered it on RBN. The 
the girl that was interviewed. Um, she said she she know well the Democrats are sitting uh, asking for money after this, and, but I'm still going to vote for them anyway. Um, what? Yeah, we got we got to fix this mindset in people. At some point, you need to walk away and say no. Yeah, we we need hey. to leave. It's an abusive relationship. Sabrina, when when you mentioned um, Obama, you know, causing everyone to drop out, it, I thought of something that happened recently. Um, remember when Keith Ellison was running for the DNC chairmanship, and he was on the cuffs of, of pretty much winning, but then Obama intervened again and got Tom Perez to uh, to win, and you know, and I think that easily uh, things would be a lot different if Keith Ellison would have been DNC chair instead of Tom Perez. I'm sure Keith Ellison would not have forced Mike Ravel out of the, you know, the equation. And um, there also a lot of buffoonery and cronyism that went around the Iowa caucus, you know, that caucus app that had ties to Pete Buttigieg. I'm sure that probably wouldn't have happened. But anyway, the promise from what I remember reading in the article was that Tom Perez begrudgingly ran and he made a, um, I think he made a deal with Obama to become the mayor, the governor of Maryland, right? Now, the governor of Maryland, the primaries, the Democratic primary just passed, and Tom Perez ran. He did indeed run, but he didn't win, and he didn't get the endorsement of o- Obama. There was another person, um, I believe Wes is in his name, that he won the primary. So I just thought it was hilarious that. He made this deal with Obama, and in the end, he got screwed just like Elizabeth Warren got screwed when she tried to um, stay out of the race the first time and try to work with Hillary the first time. And then the second time, she dropped out um, right after Bernie dropped out so that she could she stayed in the race long enough to steal votes away from um, Bernie. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yes, yes. Good point, uh, Case. All right, Eric, I'm going to thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller, which is Anthony. Appreciate it. All right, Anthony, you are the next caller. What's your take on all of this? Oh, thank you very much. I, um, I, I don't know if he believes in this stuff, if he really believes he's fighting or if he knows he's scamming because we know he's scamming. Uh, and well, I mean, he goes on Tom Hartman every other week. He switches off with Pocan, Pocan and Connor. They go on Tom Hartman every other week, and he says, "Yeah, we're fighting for progressive things, fighting for progressive things." But then he pretty much talks nonstop about like January sixth and Donald Trump is the greatest threat, and just the whole you know litany, and. So, I mean, we know he's scamming. He's a multimillionaire. I mean, I would never look at a multimillionaire, no matter what profession they're in, politics, law, you name it, and think that they care about me. Uh, even if they're the nicest person in the world, like, I don't know, Marianne Williamson, she's really nice, but I got a lot of disagreements with her on policy. And, well, she has a lot of money, but I don't think, I don't know if that is it. But, so I've already written off the democrats way too hard like if you are voting for pelosi that means you're ignoring her corruption insider trading you're ignoring her whole involvement in the uh just the whole wars the 20 years of war that we've been in the last 20 years and the torture that she 
kind of overlooked when she was on the intelligence committee. So you're supporting Pelosi. You're in the Democratic Party, which like just tells me you're in a group. So of course he's going to say no to a third party in any respect. I mean, that's not a surprise to me. But uh, yeah, th- there's two. Oh, oh yeah, and uh, lockdowns. Like it's a new, totally new issue. But 2020, 2021 lockdowns and COVID. If you're for all that, like no way. That was not good for me. That was not good for my surrounding area, my family, nothing, no one that I know. So I don't know who it helped medically. Uh, it didn't help the elderly because my governor, along with some other ones, shoved elderly into nursing homes. So if you're for lockdowns and COVID, the whole COVID thing, that's way too much of a deal breaker for me. And he's for the Ukraine war. Of course, I, I will never support anyone that's for the Ukraine war. So I got 17 deal breakers before I'm even approaching Rokana. <laughs> I totally hear you there, Anthony. Yeah, it's it's really sad. Like, I think, you know, again, I think some of the some of them are really, really looking out for their career. Like they just they want to like I said, I I do believe I think that he's going to try to run for president at some point. And also, I think that AOC is going to try to run for president at some point. Maybe not right now, but she's looking at her future. In Congress as well. And so I believe that along to go to go along with uh, the money, the money that they're getting, corporate money, all that kind of stuff is part of the reason. Now, I know Rokana doesn't take PAC money per se, but he's still in Silicon Valley. His wife, this was another question I didn't get a chance to ask because we ran out of ta- uh, time. Um, but his wife has stock investment in, uh, you know, weapon, uh, like defense contractor companies such as Northrop Grunman. Um, the list goes on, uh, Honeywell. So that was another question I didn't get a chance to ask. I didn't get a chance to ask that one um, about him changing his position on Russia and Ukraine as well. And I also didn't get a chance to ask him about um, his his take on Julian Assange. So it is unfortunate uh, that I did run out of time, but those were my last three questions. And I think that, you know, just because someone doesn't take PAC money doesn't mean they're still not invested in corporate interests in some way, shape or form. Like stocks is another way that they could do that as well. Yep. Okay. All right, uh, Anthony, thank you so much for that. I'm going to go ahead and take the next caller, which is Brady. What it do, Savvy Do? What's good, Case? So the points that I was going to make, there are two solitary reasons that I voted for Joe Biden. Uh, I live in Texas, and so I was concerned with protecting women's access to abortion and also just flat out peer pressure from these centrist Democratic kind of friends I had. I was afraid of what they would think about me if I voted for anyone other than Joe Biden in a situation like that. And honestly, in retrospect, knowing what I know now, I no longer care what those people think about me. And um, Joe Biden has not done anything to protect women's rights. So it was a complete waste of I would have rather voted for Howie Hawkins. You know, I was not happy with him as a selection. I think Jill Stein and Ajamu Baraka would have been fantastic again. I don't know. I, that would have been great. But it didn't happen. And so I just like to read off a list, a a quick list of things that third parties have accomplished uh, over the years, like women's right to vote, 
Both the Prohibition and Socialist parties promoted the women's suffrage movement during the late 1800s. Child labor laws, the Socialist Party first advocated laws establishing minimum wages and limiting hours of work for children and American children in 1904. Immigration restrictions, a reduction of working hours, you could think the populist Socialist parties for the 40-hour work week. Uh, income tax, if you think that's a good thing, populist and socialist parties supported a progressive tax system that would base a person's tax liability on their amount of income, uh, social security, and even things that the Republicans might enjoy, like the tough on crime bills, um, independent party uh, candidate George Wallace promoted uh, the getting on tough, getting tough on crime. And the Republican Party adopted that and kind of gained their momentum through that. And so those are just a few examples of good things that third parties have done for us. And I would propose that we build something even better than a third party, that we build a proxy government that, act, that disguises itself as a third party. And we take all of the campaign donations of to, to this party and we allocate them as if they were tax dollars to achieve mutual aid programs and projects. And that way we kind of just slowly like even if we lose we could still use the party as a network to accomplish mutual aid projects like getting the pipes fixed in michigan imagine if we just as a political party completely outside of government just replaced all the pipes in flint had clean distilled water for all those kids and just did it as a party to demonstrate what we can do outside of government i think that would be fantastic and i'm doing it by myself right now so i could use help <laughs> well um those are good points, Brady. Case, could you explain to, because I don't know if everyone on here has heard this, could you explain to everyone the idea that you had about um, mutual aid as well, how, how this can be implemented as well? Yeah, yeah. so the idea I have is a mutual aid political party, and I know I think I talked to, um, I, Brady, if it's you that um, you had your own call in there, I might, we might have chatted a little bit about th different things, but um. Yeah, I think Nick had the perfect description when he heard me describe it. It was like basically you're doing mutual aid, and then you just happen to run people in inside the inside the organization that is doing mutual aid. And um, I've I've been talking about this with a partner who's left at this point now, but um, we left on good terms. But um, at this point, the idea now is a website. And this is an exclusive that I'm giving to you, Savvy, and everybody in the audience, right? So this idea is going to be a website and think of it almost like a mutual aids, mutual aid organization. And basically, if you have a mutual aid um, organization, you can sign up to this site to help people and think of it like a, a help desk. Right. So this this website will be and I'm thinking of calling it like mutualaidpp.com or something like that, where anyone who needs help will go to this website, create a ticket. And then the ticket would be out in the open, fully transparent um, organization, fully transparent website. And anybody who's willing to help out would be able to grab that ticket and then help that person. So if you need help, boom, put make a ticket. People will look at it, whatever it is, if they can help out, they will grab that ticket and help that person. So, for example, um, I did a, a um, interview with somebody who creates kits for people who protest and and um, if they get hurt, like if they get shot, unfortunately, you know, something like that, they have these kits that can help out with the gun room. And so he would go on the site, create his profile, and then whenever he see tickets of people saying, um, hey, we need uh, this, I think it's called an AFLAC kit. I forgot the exact name of the kit. They say, hey, we need this kit. They can 
grab that ticket and say, hey, we could provide a kit, a kit for you. So now how does that um, turn into the political party side? So I think and I haven't buttoned this part of it down, though, but over time, you're going to see people who are really dedicated to helping other people. And you probably could get points also for um, closing tickets. So when we see people who are displaying leadership skills as far as um, they might be in a mutual aid organization and doing a good job or they're grabbing a whole bunch of tickets, we say, wow, this, this person, maybe I can bring him on. Maybe I work with USAPS and say, hey, this week, this person closed 20 tickets and he's been doing that for the last two months. Maybe we could bring him on Savvy Savvy to a quick interview. And say, wait a minute, this guy has a lot of leadership skills. Maybe we should run him on the mutual aid political party platform and et cetera, et cetera. So the ice there is still developing. What do you think about that, Saps? That sounds, I'm, I, again, like that sounds interesting. It's like, I think, I think that politicians need to do something for the people first instead of asking the people to support them and donate to them and then say, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to do these, these issues for you. We're going to accomplish these policies for you. And then this is why a lot of people turn away and they're just like, no, like, you know, these politicians are corrupt. They're not going to do anything for us. So, but I think people, they need to start doing something for people first this way, even if they lose their race, the people still get something. Exactly. This is totally the opposite of what's going on right now. You go to a candidate's website, the first thing they hit you with is, donate for me, um, volunteer for me, and that's it. So this is the opposite where you're saying, okay, who, this person, wow, they closed 300 tickets in the last six months of helping other people. Oh, wow, they, they're a very good leader in within their mutual aid organization. Maybe this is somebody, let's find out, and, and that's where my other organization, People's Gauntlet, where it uh, will take them through a vetting system, and we can find out how they feel about a lot of the various progressive um, ideas, and we could go from there. So it's still developing. Um, we're not near launch yet, but thank you for asking, and uh, I'll keep everyone posted. That's a fantastic idea. It's such a potent idea because, um, for example, we could use it for things like suicide hot. We can make our own little suicide hotline and we can make an example of how many lives we were able to save, you know, um, just by opening ourselves up to the public. And, for example, a lot of my friends call me before they call the police, you know. Um, so if, if somebody needs something, if we need to regulate some kind of situation, I, I know it sounds crazy, but, like, I'm happy to show up and help a friend out i mean we show up faster than the cops nine times out of ten you know um 100 percent. i just want to chime in here and say 100 percent. my parents told me a long time ago if you need help something happens don't call the police call me exactly. call them or call a friend I, my, my personal we need to potentially embarrass the police my personal dream is to have a mutual aid cap so this is this would be like uh under the subsidiary of a mutual aid political party, but like a mutual aid cab where you, it's almost like Uber, but it's for free. You you pick up anybody who wants to get picked up. You use an app just like, you know, the Uber app and, and it's free for anyone who needs transportation. Now, hopefully like if, if it was me and I had money, I would buy an electric van, electric car van, cause with gas is going on crazy, but that's my personal project, like later down the line, but I would love something like that. That's ambitious, too. but I like it. 
Well, that's something too. If you think about it, I know that there was um, a discount for people when I worked at MIT for people that carpooled to work, they got a, a discount with parking. And so in a way, there are people who do give people rides for free like that, like people who carpool. Um, I would like to see us getting back towards something like that uh, for people who need to drive. Now, granted, that does mean you're dependent on someone else to come and pick you up. But I mean, you're also dependent on someone else to come and pick you up when you call an Uber, too. And sometimes they cancel like when they when they're on their way to come and get you. When you're in the car with them, you could then talk to them about, hey, do you know what mutual aid or um, strike up a, a conversation? And it, that could be um, community building. That's the whole point of mutual aid. I think it would be a fun thing, too, for people to maybe uh, vote with pennies for this uh, thing. We can put a few people on a platform and have people just vote with their pennies. Like vote one cent to one person who you think is doing a good job and who you promote on this platform. And then uh, that just gives them a little monetary boost, you know, with, with everybody donating a little bit at once with a big platform like that. It can add up pretty quick. Um, and of course, they can donate more than a penny if they want. But uh, yeah, man, I think it's a fantastic idea. Support it 100%, very ambitious, and I'll pass the joint. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, okay Karthik. Karthik. Whoops. Okay, Karthik, since you already uh, went, I am going to jump to Sean. I want to give um, him a chance to speak. All right, Sean, you're on the mic. You just have to unmute. Oh, me, Sean. Hello there. Can you hear me pretty okay? I can hear you just fine. All right, great. Um, okay, <laughs> Sorry, it's just been a, it's a, try to keep this thought in my mind, but it's been a good 15 minutes. Uh, well, the reason I was calling is because if, if it's, you know, if, if it's accurate that we don't have a democracy, which is 100% accurate, right? Um, can, can we start evolving in our assumptions past that? Because if we don't have a democracy, you know, why do we keep discussing whether Rokahana is running for president? I mean, who cares what character is going to be in the opera? next month if you know unless we're talking about opera you know but if we know that that our democracy is basically theater and it is then you know uh, we need to take the next necessary steps and be talking about the necessary steps and and you know inquire about them and what would they look like and what would they be I just have to mention that because I just heard a lot, a lot on the show, you know, you're saying that, yeah, you know, we don't have a democracy, but then you're back on whether Rokahana is, you know, which I, I, I you know, I, I share what you feel and, and what the other gentleman feels about saying, well, fuck Rokahana um, and, and uh, AOC and everybody else that is part of the theater. That's all they are. So let's move past it and let's start talking about solutions. Um, of whatever nature they may be, and you know what, whichever ones may be more effective, um, and the analysis of history of what has been effective in the past. Thank well, you. we've been That's talking about, yeah. So we've been talking about solutions for at least a year. We've been talking about how to do it, especially over at RBN and on my show as well. I'm not sure if you've heard this on call in. I think actually we did have a discussion on here about. A strategy session about what to do next. 
Um, but there's there's two different platforms here. There's the show on YouTube and RBN as well. And then there's call in. And we've been on YouTube a lot longer than we've been on call in. But on YouTube, we've laid out a whole strategy of what we need to be doing. We've told people multiple times that we need to work more with mutual aid and direct action as well. So we've been discussing this for over a year and we actually do these things. We do mutual aid. We do activism. The problem is not everyone that tunes in every time knows that there's new people all the time. So we have to still change people's minds and convince new people that listen, this strategy that we've been doing is not working. So that's the reason why we still have these discussions. Not everybody, not everybody that's listening is where we're at. That's the thing. So we continue have to like educate people. Yeah, right. But I mean, like interviewing Rokahana or talking about, you know, half an hour about what what Rokahana said. It's like you're like, I see you like saying the truth. Right. And when you talk to basically paid liars, actors, it's, a, it's like an oncologist talking to somebody that works for the National Tobacco Company. You know, like, what are you doing? Like, you're an well, oncologist, think... you know, don't waste any time, you know, crediting these morons, these liars, you know, with, well, with then, your well... base or your like, you're, you're too important to be engaging with these fuckers. Well, then I don't, I don't think you understand what I've been saying on my show which I've said multiple times that I would talk to anyone. Yeah, I that know. Is something I heard I've that. Said that doesn't make any times. So yeah, everybody, no, it does, actually it does make talk sense. Talk to anyone? What when are you we talk, about, talk to liars? Uh, excuse me. When we talk about organizing on RBN, what do we say multiple times? You have to talk to people on the other side of the aisle. When we did the marches for Medicare for all, you think we only talk to people on the left? No. Conservatives need health care, too. So that I don't the think case, I don't. But think, he's not a conservative. He's a liar. It's a different thing. I think liars I don't think are just liars. Under- I agree. Um, yeah. But first of all, let me ahead. let me let me make something very clear here. As I said previously, not everyone who listens to my show has been listening to my show. There are new viewers every night. So some of the people that are new. They don't know that. They don't know that Rokana is a propagandist. They don't know that Rokana is actually lying to people. It's my job to show them that he is. That's why I have the discussion. I, I was just about to make that same point. There's, there's value in talking uh, to a, a Rokana Connor, uh, or a anyone, basically. I, I agree with Sabi's because... You, there's people who don't know that he's a liar. Matter of fact, I, like with the, the same situation with the Medicare for all, when he said, oh, he didn't know about it. And then it was co- he got called out and then he um, tweeted out about the Medicare for all March coming up um, in D.C. this uh, Saturday, I believe, uh, the 30th. Like that's va- that's a lot of value that came out of that one interview that he had with Sabi. So even though you feel this the way that you do, that's fine that he's a liar. It's good that you know that. But there's a lot of people, um, even neoliberals, who might not know that, oh, he's lying on, on these certain issues. We're, we're calling him out and we're asking questions. Savvy's asking questions that no one else is going to ask him. So I think there's value there. Well, here's the, here's the problem with that, right? 
And this is why scientists do not mess around with, with liars, because scientists are not very good speakers. Now, you have to be a good speaker, but are you Rokahana? I think what you can imagine I'm getting at is that some people are going to listen and they're going to be like, oh, man, I think Rokahana is right. And I, and I get the feeling that doesn't happen just a couple of times. So it just it scares John, me, really, when I when I listen to RBN and one of these people pop in and, and we're talking about one of these liars for on and on and on and on. Um, I don't get, uh, you know, you're putting too much responsibility on the on the people speaking because you're not going to have that the person that is saying the truth is going to sound the best. People think that because they watch too many movies, but that's just not the truth. Because Marxism uh, is complicated. Sean, Sean, let me make something very clear to you here. First and foremost, yeah, first, and, first and foremost, I can talk to you whoever I want. Don't ever come on here and tell me who I should not have on my show. Now, you are welcome to start your own platform and talk to whoever you want. But what you need to understand is that the majority of people are not where you are. The majority of Americans do not know these things. We still have to reach those people. I still have to educate people. I've watched several interviews with Rokana and nobody has asked him the questions that I asked him. Those questions need to be asked. Again, does, if you don't like that, you don't have to listen to it, Sean. But if you thing. think you're going to come on here, if you think you're going to come on here and tell me what I can and cannot do on my own show, you are wrong. Period. Well, I can you imagine I'm going to go somebody, ahead to the next caller. Can you imagine somebody? Amanda, I've made you the next caller. You can go ahead and speak. Hi. I'm going to let you know right now, everyone listening, I am not the one. I am not the one. As much criticism as I get in this space, as much criticism as RBN gets in this space, being a black group, don't ever come on here and tell me who I can and cannot talk to. Period. Go ahead, Amanda. Hi, Sabrina. First, I wanted to say congratulations on successfully pulling off what most media people and journalists have not been able to pull off in that you effectively pushed for Rokana to be accountable and show up at that event and that would not been for you you asking the questions on your show and then there was follow up Right. And that's because you did the work and you have the people and the connections and people knew that that was. So congratulations, you already know what you did. Most of the people here already know what you did, but that is it. It. it I feel heartened to see it when it happens and I hope it happens more often with more people, but it is hard to get an elected official to come on the record with some of these things because they worry about this kind of thing happening. So um, the other things, thing I wanted to say is, is I didn't AOC say what, she was only going to be one term? I thought I remembered that when she yeah, the first she, time. She said that on, I believe she said that on Jimmy Dore's show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, well, that seems to have gone out the window. But, you know, it, it, it's 
so in some of the the conflict that I'm hearing, there I think that our attention is is been divided, but because there's we all can see what's failing, and we're 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 halfway between having people enough people on board to tip it over, and and having so we still have to sort of learn, know how to survive in this system because we don't know how much longer it's going to hang on but we also have to be imagining what's going to be next because what happens when you topple the government well somebody still has to run the wastewater treatment plant somebody's still got to figure out how how these things go so so i think there's um it's it's a hard thing to do both things at the same time i appreciate that you can continue to repeat the kinds of messages that people need to hear because the only way people learn is by spaced repetition. You hear it once today, you hear it once next week, you hear it once three weeks from then, and the more you hear it, the more it becomes part of your understanding. So I, and it, as a, as a teacher, it is difficult because you get so tired of saying the same thing over and over again, but if you haven't said it six times, then then people haven't gotten it yet. And as you said, you're having to continually educate new people who come on board because like, I'm one of those people and I appreciate what you've done to this point. I'm glad that you've finally risen to where, where a little middle-aged middle white lady in Oakland finally caught on to you and I'm so glad that I did. But, but the conversations you have and the success that you have doing that. I, I, I can't say enough to say I'm 100% behind you. If there was, if I was the kind of middle-aged white lady that had money, it'd be yours. I'm the other kind, the kind that believes workers should have more power. But thank you for your show. And, and it, it, is, it is, you put yourself in, in, in the public like this and it, it's not always fun and I appreciate how you handle it even when it isn't thank you so much for that Amanda yeah I think people don't really understand how difficult doing this can be like the number of times we have people at RBN tell us you guys need to bring this person on why didn't you bring that person on you have to understand that the, a lot of people, especially the bigger names, will not come on to smaller platforms. Some people won't come on because they don't like the things that we say. They don't like that we're telling people that the two-party system is a problem. So there's a lot of that that we have to deal with. And then on top of that, you have people coming on saying you shouldn't have talked to this person. I'll say this again for people who seem not to understand. Like I said before multiple times on my show, I will have a conversation with anyone that doesn't mean that I necessarily agree with them. And I would also say that if you're only willing to talk to people that you agree with, that might be a problem. But thank you so much for that, Amanda. You got it. Have a great day. You too. All right. Uh, Karthik, you are back on the mic. Yeah, thanks, Abby, for talking to me again. Um, I'll try to keep it quick. Uh, so when we were talking about um, people like uh, Ro Connor and uh, AOC and stuff, um, I guess I might have not necessarily different perspective. Well, different. Yes, I know. But so I'm, you know, poor. Um, but I grew up around like a lot of rich people, like my parents, knew a lot of rich people. 
Um, and I just think people like Ro Khan or AFC and, you know, rest of the Justice Democrats, um, they will, like, try to uh, rationalize, you know, what they do in Congress, like, any to, like, any way they can. It's like, oh, uh, if if I wasn't here doing what Nancy Pelosi, Schumer want, then just, you know, somebody else will do it, or I'm still a better person, or people criticizing me are secret right-wingers or Nazis, X, Y, Z, and I deserve this, blah, blah, blah. Just to end on a funny note, uh, so um, I, I've heard that uh, 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 Anna Kasparian is actually writing a book about how Democrats are screwing people and making them poor. That's it. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. I did not know that she was writing a book about that, but that is really interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what's happening there. Um, I just think that there's a lot of disappointment that's been going around. And it's one thing if it's like one incident, right? Or an incident here or there. But when we continuously see that they're failing us and they're not helping the people, it's just, you can only defend it for so long. That's just how I feel about it. But that's interesting. I'll have to look into that. I didn't know that she was writing a book about yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, last thing I want to say, it's about abortion, actually. Um, so I've been thinking about this for the past few weeks. Like, so I, I, one of the theories that I had in mind was that I think a lot of politicians are fine with it being uh, illegal, at least in some places. Um, because obviously, you know, if you're rich, you can get your abortion uh, legal or illegally, like in Canada or something. But, like, don't you think that, like, a lot of politicians want abortion to be illegal? Because, like, that means, like, it's going to, like, force, like, more people to, like, work uh, shitty jobs. And, like, it's going to, like, have people sign up for our uh, 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 wars overseas. Um, because, obviously, like, if people, like, aren't really desperate, then they're not going to do desperate things. Like, I know be so many people that signed up for the military just because, like, they needed, uh, like, health care or something like that. Um, yeah, I will say in reference to that, I have noticed, I mean, some of the people that oppose, some of the politicians that oppose abortion on record have no problem with that happening in their personal lives. There was a Republican politician. I can't remember his name. I think this was about a year or so ago. Uh, it came out that he actually sent or took his mistress to have an abortion. So, and see, that's the thing. They can vote against those things for everybody else, but they have enough money to where, even if it is outlawed in their state, they have enough money to have it handled and usually discreetly, but that apparently got out. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, you know, it's all about, for them, it's all about what's best for the party. And if that's what the the party is all about, if they're supposed to be anti-abortion, which I would even argue some conservatives um, are not anti-abortion. But if that's what the party is, you know, leaning towards, then they're going to do what the party wants them to do. A good example of that is Donald Trump. Look at how many Republican politicians were against Donald Trump in the very beginning. And they were like, oh, he's not going to win. Oh, that would be a joke. But then after he won. They went along with him, Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham. They were two people that did that. All of a sudden, they were fine with Donald Trump So because they went with what their party wanted. So I think that's a big part of it. 
I just want to give one more reason also why it's important to um, interview people like Rokana is because Savvy, Savvy's asking unique questions and questions that he's never been asked before. You know, you might see CNN pick that up. You might see MSNBC clip that particular question and play it on their ear. Now you've got Savvy on millions of, um, you know, TVs. Because I've seen this happen with TYT, where they interviewed Bernie Sanders and a CNN or MSNBC clipped that clip and had to play it. Even Jordan Sheridan, you know, with January 6th, they had to play his clips. And, and that's a, a, another benefit of getting the word out. And that's how more people would know about Sab, Sabby Sabs. And, and um, that would be a great benefit there as well. Oh, wow. Thanks, Case. I didn't even think about that part. Um, I'm going to take Lance since you already spoke, Anthony, and then I'll um, end with Anthony. All righty, Lance, you just have to unmute. Just got to hit that unmute button. Uh Oh, he dropped. I don't know what happened. Okay. All right. Anthony, you are the next caller. You've taken it again. I just had to say more that I just, I'm not with the, uh, Democrats or the quote unquote progressives on, which is, you know, I think it goes unsaid or kind of flies under the radar. One of those is um, their concept of a Green New Deal or whatever they want to call climate emergency now. Like, I am not down with their Green New Deal at all or their climate emergency because. Well, one, when I hear climate emergency, that just sounds like emergency powers, like they want to kind of skirt the rule of law to do some crazy stuff uh, for climate, quote unquote, like they did with uh, COVID or say 9-11 or anything else to just kind of control the population without any democratic say so. Uh, So I'm not down with the concept of climate emergency in that sense at all. And then... uh, it's not demil- it's not a demilitarized green new deal at all so that's a non-starter for me like and uh also i my, it's it's like a privatized thing in my conception of it i have a private electric company right now and what are you going to do just give money to them so they can go green like i'm not really getting the point here so and uh, the whole thing to switch to electric cars, they're just so much more expensive. Uh, yeah, I think they're fine. I don't think they're necessarily better than gas because of the way we generate electricity on the grid right now. So I don't know, hybrid, whatever, for the time being, and go electric if you want. But I'm not down with shutting off uh, gas stations or something, so to speak, if something crazy like that were to come up. Well, I know the demands there, they're not going to come up. So basically, I'm not down with the Democrats' Green New Deal at all, uh, their idea of it. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't go uh, It doesn't go far enough. We're going to be talking about that climate legislation tonight because it's just not enough. Like, where, you know, first of all, not everybody can afford an electric vehicle. I mean, let's just be real. And... I wish we were investing more in like this public transportation system. Like, why don't we have high speed rail? I mean, it's ridiculous. Like they have this in Europe, you know, I'm thinking about all the people that can't afford to buy a car. I mean, even here, like in Boston, a lot of people take public transportation, but the public transportation system that we have, it's not adequate. There's a lot of repairs that need to be done, but 
I would like to see us have, have, I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime, but I would really like to see us have high speed rail in this country. You know, um, the other thing too, <laughs> if they're really trying to work on climate per se, then they wouldn't have voted for these wars. You got the squad out there voting to give Ukraine more money. You know, you had, whether it's been Democrat or Republican, they all have been pro-war. It doesn't matter when that comes into play. When it comes to war, it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat. The military industrial complex is the largest single most polluter in the world. So if they were really serious about climate, they would put a stop to that. That's how I know they're not really serious about it. These things that they're doing, these things are small, just like when people say recycle and I recycle, but that's small. <laughs> if recycling actually worked as much as they say it does, they wouldn't allow us to do it. So in reference to climate, you really need bold, transformative uh, change. All they're doing is just putting Band-Aids on the situation, in my opinion. That's how I feel. But I do have to get going. Uh, go ahead, Case, and then I got to go because I got to get ready for the JB show. Okay, no worries. I'm going to say this uh, as quickly as possible. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Sabs, on the high-speed rail. Matter of fact, the latest technology in, in train is the Hyperloop. And I, I've been dreaming for somebody to, to say, come with the platform and say, we need a transcontinental Hyperloop system, which goes as fast as airplanes. It goes as, uh, up to like 700 miles per hour, which I believe airplanes go up to that speed throughout the whole system. And now, um, you know, the monopoly that these airlines have on us where we have to take off our shoes and go through a whole hour worth of security. Right now, if you go on the Amtrak, you just walk on with your bags. So that would be a, a lot better. And we would have the, the latest technology because I don't think there's any other country with a, a um, full scope Hyperloop system. So definitely we would need that in, uh, in America. And then the last thing I want to say is, uh, unfortunately, um, when the Rochester shooting happened, there was a security guard that um, people said there's a conspiracy theory of how that went down because this security guard was working on um, a car system that ran on water. So and, and he actually had this system. He was developing it and he had a, a there was a clip on YouTube. I think he had a YouTube channel, too. And he had his own company developing cars that ran on water. So imagine that that you don't you don't even need lithium lithium, you know, because of um, battery power, because it's electric. And we just had like a, a cars that ran on water. Man, that would change the whole game as far as alternative to gas. So I just want to say that last point. Thank you so much, Sabs, for always having me on. I love giving my input where I can, and and much love to you and the chat. Have a great one. Thanks so much, Case. Yeah, I had heard about that. That that was really interesting. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, I'm gonna go do the JB and Sabby show. We're supposed to do that at six o'clock. We're gonna be talking about for those of you who love uh, Marvel. This will be a really good show for you to watch because Comic-Con happened in San Diego and we have some updates for you about the MCU uh, timeline. So definitely check that out at six o'clock and I'll be live on my channel tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a good day. Bye.